Hello, tennis fans. It's Philip here. I'm with my twin brother, Peter. Uh, unfortunately, Mark couldn't join us. He's too busy rollerblading in Miami. Um, there hasn't been a podcast for a while, and the reason is we've been waiting for Federer to lose, but he just keeps winning, so we begrudgingly had to lace them up again because it's been over a month, and we didn't want to deprive you guys any further. So, Peter, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty well on my end, and yes, it has been quite a stretch for for Federer. Hopefully, where the uh, where the charm that his opponent, uh, an opponent of his, would need to to beat him, and his opponent today is one Martin Del Potro, who's winning and he's riding an eleven match win streak, and could be a fierce competitor. He's had some success against Fed in the past, but but man, that's that's uh, it's. The purpose of the podcast today isn't just to um, discuss Indian Wells and, and Federer and Del Potro, but also to get a sense of the lay in the land in tennis since the Aussie Open and, and what trends have surfaced since then. Yeah, and one trend uh, that we were talking about before the podcast is that the young guys are really starting to surge, um, and one of those is Chorich, who before Indian Wells has not had a very good tournament in a really long time, like he beat Sverev in the U.S. Open um, either first or second round, but other than that, he's been kind of quiet, and he just uh, zooms to the semifinals. Uh, first three rounds were just immaculate play by him. He lost like nine games or something. Tight one with Fritz, another young guy who just had a randomly good result um, for the first time in a few years. Um, and then he was up a set and a break against Federer in the semis. And then uh, Federer breaks back twice and wins the second set. And then the same pattern happened in the third. He was up 4-3, and then Federer just uh, didn't lose the game after that. Yeah, so what, what did you see in that match yesterday between Chorich and uh, Federer? So I just saw, like... I don't know. I saw that Torich was being being patient and getting really good depth. And if he were to have an analog of the current crop of greats, it would probably be, be Djokovic, just because he's like a rally ball player. But he's obviously, um, but that's his style of game. He plays but, a lot like how I imagine Lindell might have played. I've never seen Lindell. I'm too young, but like. Sort of reminds me of that. He seems like a grinder. Yeah, he is. But, and I mean, we all saw him against Zverev in the U.S. Open. It was a similar style of play. Just probably a little more depth on the ground strokes. And he definitely was playing well all week. Because um, he did just have some really intense score lines um, in his favor. But, I don't know. It was 4-3 in the third set. And you just saw Federer dial up the pressure. He started, like, pumping himself up in French instead of English. And it just it was just so ominous for George. He just sort of knew he had no chance. He knew he was, like, a, a service game or two away from winning the match, but he just was not going to win the match because his, his serve wasn't good enough to get three points. Federer was putting him on his back foot so quickly on the return serve, and and uh, 
it was just like clear that okay, this guy has a long way to go. Um, I guess it's encouraging for him that he made Federer dial it up because not a lot of people do. But uh, it's still it's still at the point where it's clear that it's not these new young guys are not even close to uh, to the I guess the big four at even their second best, and it's kind of sad because like. The, the level of tennis is not getting better as these guys age out. Yeah, and if you look back, like, okay, George is young, he's 21, but, like, when Nadal was 21, he'd won, like, three or four majors. When, um, same with uh, Djokovic, he won his first major at 20, you know? So these guys are young, but these guys are at the age where the greats started being great, and there really just hasn't some been someone who's... Uh, who's taking that mantle yet. Like, uh, like, uh, Federer's opponent in the next round, Del Potro, um, he won his, he won the U.S. Open at 21, um, and it's just a shame to think what would have happened, uh, or it's just sad to think about what would have happened, uh, or how his career would have played out if he hadn't gotten those injuries. Um, and so one of the guys who we thought, at least at the end of last season, was ready to take over with Sparov, but what's happened to him? Do you have any insights? Like, he's laid an egg so far this season. I think there are probably two things. Um, the first is that uh, he had a really inflated ranking to begin with. Um, he was never as good as, like, number three or number four in the world, which his ranking suggested he was. Um, and that has to do with injuries and, and, uh, yeah, mainly, mainly injuries. Um, and the fact that Barov was able to just stay consistent last year more than pretty much anybody else. And Barov was able to, uh, really come up like big in big moments uh, in his Masters 1000s finals. But his game has a long way to go. Um, he, he, uh, he's still kind of awkward, right? Like, he's 6'5 and huge and can hit a massive ball. Um, but there's still something that's a little robotic about his game. It's like he's not natural moving forward. Yeah, forward uh, and backwards. Yeah, and and uh, it's almost like like he needs the ball on a tee to like just, and when he when he when he has that he's he looks amazing. Yeah. But if you hit him at all on his back foot or his or on the defensive, he he has a lot of room for growth yeah his volleying ha it might be a little bit better than last year just because there isn't much lower to go but it's still like not very good like the book on him is to uh bring him forward um and yeah maybe people have figured him out but 
I don't know. He is just insanely talented. I wonder if there is something going on. Um, Misha Sverev has been pretty crappy this season as well. Um, and I, I think, I mean, they're very serious guys. Like, I doubt they, like, didn't put in the work this off season. I'm just wondering if maybe they're tired, you know? Maybe they work too hard. That, that, that could make sense. Um, and I think about, like, other guys who ended the season really well last year. There was Dimitrov, who who's, hasn't been really noteworthy, at least in the start of this season. There was Jack Sock, who is still hungover. I think he's getting a little over his hangover from from the Nebraska beer binges he was doing in the off season, and and uh, I think on the one hand it sort of just shows how impressive, like I don't know, like the Djokovic five year stretch was where he just was nonstop a like. At his top level, um, yeah, there's like a bit of anarchy in the game. It wasn't just Djokovic in like 2012. It was the top eight. Like it was Nadal, Federer, Djokovic, and Murray at the top four, and then Ferrer, Songa, Burdich, and uh, I don't know who was the eighth during that time as like the the five through eight. Um, and so there was just like an establishment, like a few years ago and we're we're reaching like uh we're nearing a dark age in tennis like uh Federer is the only thing giving tennis any sense of structure at the moment like imagine if the 36 year old Federer who against all odds is just playing the best tennis of his life weren't around like we would be freaking out right now we just wouldn't know what to think yeah, like Marin Cilic might be number one. If Federer didn't exist, Marin Cilic could be the year-end number one this year. Yeah, like he would have won Wimbledon probably. Since like Marcelo Rios. Yeah, Cilic is number two in the race right now. So let's let's look at the singles race. I have it in front of me. So Federer is number one, and then Cilic, and then guess who number three is? Uh, Tong? Yeah, yeah. Hyun Chung. Uh, guess who number four is? Number four. Uh, Luca Pui. No, uh, Diego Schwartzman. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, five is Edmund. Six is Del Potro, but he's going to move up after Indian Wells. He's going to move up to, like, third. Um, and then uh, seventh is Bautista Gut. Uh, eighth is Dimitrov. I don't know how because he. I guess he's won a tournament. Um, ninth is Anderson. Tenth is Pui. Eleventh uh, is Fognini. Twelfth is uh, Team uh, British. Then Monfils. Then Seppi. Like uh, I'd say a good. I'd say probably forty percent of my preseason top fifteen are at the moment in the actual top fifteen in the singles race. That's how just. Un, uh, unpredictable the season has been. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, I think, though, that... Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like this is... It's it's almost unfair to call this a dark ages. 
Maybe one is mirroring. Actually, I do think there could be a mini Dark Age mirroring. But you also do see a light at the end of the tunnel, um, at least in in a certain one aspect. In that there are a lot of there are like teenagers and twenty year olds who are very exciting and who have games that are that are that are a very fun to watch and b very very promising. Yeah, Canada has a lot to be excited about. Yeah, I was asked the other day, like, of the next gens, which which ones am I most bullish on? And, I mean, obviously Zverev is, is top five in the world. And, like, Zverev has arguably already arrived. And so betting on him is, like, like that's sort of a given. Yeah. But, but the two sort of, the two, like, still teenagers are the Canadians. Like, those guys are so good. They, they hit sharp balls, they have power, they have finesse, they move forward really well and volley really well. Yeah, and so to the listeners who don't know who we're talking about, it's uh, Denis Chapovalov, the lefty, uh, the blonde-haired lefty who looks sort of like a, a, a skater, and then Felix auger Aliassime. Um, we're actually not sure how to pronounce his name, but uh, I overrule Peter on this one because I speak a little bit more French than he does. Uh, so Felix is from Montreal. Uh, he's, uh, he's got, we were talking before the podcast, he has like no holes in his game. He's 17 and just looks amazing. And on top of the fact that he has no holes in his game, he's an incredible competitor too. Um, he's the one who I've pegged as like definitely, unless injuries derail him, going to be number one in the world at some point. I mean, he's he's uh, he's really really good, right? He's he got his first PSA win against his countryman Pospisil. PSA, uh, you're t- the, you're talking about squash. Right, no, uh, ATP tour win. Yeah, yeah. Non-challenger tour win, and he he um, he fought well against uh, Rayanich, but he lost in a routine six four six four. But I guess the things watching those matches that really stood out to me were, uh, first, he looks like very young still. Like yeah. he looks, he looks like he's not totally through puberty. Um, <laughs> and he's already six, three and like very athletic, like athletic enough to compete with like grown men. And so he could just get better through straight, like finishing like his growth curve. Um, and of the young guys, nobody looks quite as young as he does. Um, and so I think that just like natural getting better will help him out. The second thing that stood out to me was against Rayanich. He was, he, he was averaging, um, 126 on his first serve, 126 miles an hour. And in, in the earlier matches, he was averaging 120. So I think he may have been like really trying hard and, serving out of his comfort zone, but if he can really dial up like a 125, 130 mile an hour serve, that's just like, that's extremely legit. Um, that's going to win him three points for his entire career. And, and, uh, the third thing was just like Shapovalov, um, he moves 
forward extremely well. Yeah. He, he like seeks the opening to, he just like seeks the opening to move forward and is very confident approaching the net. Yeah, the he finish. wants to be at the net. Yeah. Yeah, one thing that actually jumped out at me, his volleys are really good. And he has such a presence in the net because his arms are so long. Like, he might be 6'2 or 6'3, but I was actually trying to Google what his wingspan was and couldn't find it. I'm really curious. Yeah. I'd be curious to see how, like, a Felix Dennis doubles team would fit. They won the U.S. Open uh, juniors a few years ago. Really? Yeah. Apparently they're best friends. In one of the matches I was watching... The announcer was saying that in Chipotle, I was run in Canada last year. He was staying at Felix's house because it was in Montreal. Yeah, he was staying in Felix's basement, and <laughs> which is funny. And uh, and the night before he like was playing the doll, like Felix had a Nadal poster in his room that Dennis like made him like take down because it was freaking him out. <laughs> and then then after. Povlov beat Nadal, they were just like pumped up and just wired until like 4 a.m. Just literally living the teenage kid's dream. But like, those guys were living the dream as yeah. a kid. That's not, that, that's gotta be. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm so jealous of that. Yeah. I'm also jealous about like the models they're probably banging at the moment. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they're very focused, at least it seems. I mean, it's also just easy enough for them that it doesn't even have to disrupt their focus to do this. But anyway, um, yeah, so I think there are probably two classes of young young guys, like the people in like the 21 through 23 range, like so that and that range that range includes Kyrgios, who was like borderline not young anymore, Sverev, um, who's twenty one still, and Chung, who's also twenty one still. Uh, those guys are going to be very very good. Um, and then uh, and then also then then the next uh, wave is I guess the the twenty through eighteen range, which is. Tiafo Fritz um, for the U.S. Um, I guess Donaldson is 21, um, but he's going to be good too. And then, uh, and then the Canadians. There's Shapovalov. Uh, there are a few others like um, it's like Kashinov and Rublev and Medvedev. yeah, the Russians. Rublev is going to be good. Um, he's leading the race to Milan right now. Oh yeah, Chorich. I forgot to have him in the the sphere of. Uh, Curious Chung range. Um, and there's like Demenauer, the Australian who can't win outside of Australia. Sitsipas, Casper uh, Ruud, Riley Opelka. Like these are sort of like. There's the, a French guy too. I forget his name. Prime Quentin Hallis. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen him. There's, a, um, there's another 17 year old who's, who's like, I think he's Spanish. He's ranked a little lower than Felix. Nicolas Kuhn? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, he's sort of fake Spanish, though, because he's, like, blonde and looks German. Huh. Um, but he, there is a Spanish flag next to his name. 
Anyway, yeah, so this, this, I guess there is, like, light at the end of the tunnel. What's interesting is, yeah, the, uh, the next generation is already sort of eclipsing the, like, uh, the generation between, like, 25 and 29, who we were talking about as the lost generation. I guess, unfortunately, Ryanich is back. He made the semis. Um, but I don't know if he's back back. Like, who did he beat, really? I guess he beat Query. Yeah. And also, like, uh, like I guess Dimitrov is playing well again, but it really is a lost generation. Like, there's probably a gap between... Um, Juan Martin Del Potro is probably the... Uh, who is the youngest player to win a major at the moment? I think it's probably Chilich. So, I think Chilich and Delpo are the same age. Yeah, so so the next player younger than Chilich to win a major will probably be there will probably be a five year gap unless like Dimitrov or Rayanich or Nishikori can do it. Yeah. Um by the way, uh for U.S., we have, like, a lot to look forward to, I guess. Um, Fritz and Tiafo both uh, both had very strong uh, showings at different tournaments in the U.S. Uh, Fritz made the QFs of Indian Wells. Um, he beat, he beat some good players, too. Wonder, though. I think he's, like, very hot. He was having really good challenger results in the last two or three weeks. Yeah, Fritz had a bad year last year uh and there's a very good reason for that he's 20 years old he was 19 last year and he had a kid um which McEnroe was like how the hell are you having a kid it, it was like not it was not even like an accident uh, I, I looked up i looked this up and his his family is apparently like like i don't know if it's evangelical but some like sect of christian that like gets married and has kids like right after graduating high school um and so yeah he is a uh he's a young guy but he's also uh <laughs> he's further along in the family development stage than like nadal yeah um but he's he's very talented he's not the best athlete but he's like really good at uh, he's got very clean strokes yeah i think he's got a he's got, he he reads the game really well He's just sort of smart. Yeah. Um, and then there's uh, Tiafa, who won Delray Beach, um, who might be the most promising young American. Um, I hope he is. It would be great for the sport. Uh, he's got a he's got a cool story. Um, his dad was a janitor at a tennis club in College Park, and he really looked up to Dennis Kudla, who was a member of his club at College Park, and who was the number one or two ranked junior in the world when Francis was growing up. And uh, so he just did everything he could to become like Dennis Kudla, uh, which is kind of funny because everybody looks up to like Federer and Nadal, but he was looking up to like this guy who's never been higher than a hundred in the world. Mm -hmm. um, uh, he also won game. Yeah. Um, I guess there's an okay. And he also, I guess, uh, both of us are white and not very, 
practiced in talking about race, but he is like black and he could, I guess, energize um, the African American segment of the U.S. the same way Tiger Woods did with golf, which would be like a very good thing, um, in my opinion. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and again, not practice of talking about this, but I think that would be pretty awesome. Both him and, uh, what's his name? Felix. Felix. Uh, Ali Yassin. Yeah. If there was some color added to the, to the top of the sport, I think that would be a really, a really good thing. Yeah, one of the stigmas with tennis is that it's a country club sport, and like, I guess Nadal is not technically white, but... I don't know. Hispanic is always lumped in with white. Um, Songa, I guess. Songa and Maltese were very highly rated black tennis players, but none of them, neither of them actually won a major. Like, I, I don't know for sure, but I think the last black uh, major winner was Yannick Noah, and that was a long time ago. Um, so, yeah, this new generation needs to, like, like uh change that and i think they're going to yeah and i you sort of saw that a little bit on the women's side you got like serena and venus and now you have sloan stevens madison keys yeah Uh, that's true i think maybe i don't know i don't know if there's law of large data numbers data to like prove perfect correlation or causation or any of that but it does seem like Serena and Venus were the first, and they were the role models. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, here I remember a story, like, years ago, like, uh, after Tiafo won Junior Wimbledon. Or did he win the... I think he won Junior Wimbledon, either Wimbledon or the French. Orange Bowl. Yeah, Orange Bowl. Uh, Jay-Z, uh, Jay-Z is his manager, so that's a good thing, too. He's got He's got flair. But back to his game. Yeah. He, um, I saw the final he played in, in Delray Beach, and he was just looking really good. He, he, he just looked in control, had, had his mojo going. But, and he's, you've seen that before. Like, he's taken Federer to five in majors, and, but he's also just so inconsistent. Um, he won Delray Beach, and he's still not. His ranking didn't shoot up to to a new career high. He he was he was ranked ranked 60th at one point, dropped all the way down to 90, and winning Delray Beach got him back up to 63. Um, and so, like on the one hand, winning Delray Beach was his first like 250 or above uh, ATP Tour win, but um, he, part of the whole Tiafo story is he's what he needs to really prove is his consistency more than anything else. Um, and it, you mentioned it earlier, like he's, I think he's almost twenty now. Um, like the real greats in the sport, um, like Sampras, Nadal, like I think Federer, Federer is like the greatest, right? And he. He won at twenty two. That was his first that was his first Yeah, and that was that's late. By that's by great and the sports standards, that's very late. But I do think the aging curve, not just in tennis, but in sports in general, 
is starting to um, trend towards older people just because of advancements in science. And, and you're seeing this in, in football and basketball and, and, and tennis too. And, and uh, I think with the extended primes of the people in their prime, it becomes harder to win at a younger age. Like for, for Sampras and even Federer and Nadal, when they were 20, it was normal for tennis players to retire at 29 and 30 years old. Yeah, that's true. Like Andy Roddick retired at 30 years old. Like, oh, like a lot of great players don't, don't, hadn't, don't last, didn't last past 30 in the past. And now like the average age of the top 10 is probably over 30. Yeah. Or at least the, it was last year or something. Yeah, and Djokovic is now 30, and we're sort of waiting for him to have his second career. Like, it's sort of expected now of the greats. Like, Agassi used to be an outlier, but now everyone who's great is supposed to be an Agassi who has his, like, under 30 career and then his over 30 career. Yeah, and I think that like, you saw it with both Federer and Nadal. And I think your Taylor Fritz point about the kid, it may actually apply to, like, Djokovic and Federer, too. Like, Djokovic started having kids, and it really changes a lot. Um, and same with, like, Federer's... It may be a coincidence, and it, pro- it probably is, but, like, when when he started having children, like, his... his play dipped a lot and it, uh, that just takes a lot out of you I think um, but I think more so than that I think it's that um, these got your body really changes um, at a certain point in your late 20s early 30s and you have to like and it's 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 not that your body changes in a way that's unplayable anymore but it changes in a way where you have to figure yourself out again and I think Djokovic may be at that point where he's like needing to figure out his new body. But that said, I think the whole like elbow situation and his change of form in his serve, it's taken like real MPH off his serve. He basically can't hit a kick serve anymore. And um, he's going to have to like, I think the, the serve is. Like he's he's really not looking good in most areas of his game right now, but the serve is the part that actually worries me, because that's fundamental. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think wishing for Djokovic to get back to his uh, his peak level again is sort of a "be careful what you wish for" type of thing, because man. That was devastating when he was on top. But it's also, you don't, you don't want to see someone go out like this. Exactly. Um, uh, yeah. So, I so back to... The, I, de- I deal with the if Djokovic gets back to his peak level, but gets shredded by Nadal for some reason. Yeah. Like, just, just, you see a late career shift in terms of the power dynamic of that match up the same way you saw a late career shift with like Federer and Nadal. 
Yeah. I hope uh, I hope Rafa comes back strong for clay court season and beats Roger a few times just to, like, get those mental victories under. Like, just get that mental edge, like, sort of evened out. Yeah. It would be yeah. devastating if Roger beat him on clay. Are we sure that Federer is playing clay? Uh, I think he is. I, I would guess that he is. Um... Yeah, I think that could be a mistake because yeah. part of, like, he is, like, 30, what, 36 or 37? Yeah, he's 36. Like, clay court points last really long. Like, if if you're looking for something to, like, mess up Federer's back, I think it could be, um, like, really hard-fought clay court matches. Yeah. I think if I were Fed or Fed's camp, I would say play the French Open and don't play anything else. Especially if he's like healthy. Especially if he's healthy. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's playing so well that he could legitimately win the French Open, especially if someone takes out Rafa or if Rafa's injured. Yeah. Yeah, if Rafa's injured, that changes at all. Like, Fed is definitely playing Roland Garros. I think one of the... Uh... One of the more curious things about the sport is how good Dominic Team is on clay. Because he has a legit power game. Um, I don't know if you've ever... I don't know if I've... I would just not expect him to be good on clay, but he is very, very good on clay. He's won his only clay court tournament this year and struggled in his other tournaments. And and so I think uh, Team could beat Federer on clay. Yeah, um, team team is very good on clay. Um, yeah, so back to Indian Wells. So what do you think is going to happen in the finals uh, again, between Federer and Delpo? Uh, I mean, I think Federer is going to win in straight sets. Straight sets. Yeah, so going, so let's, dissecting their head-to-head, it's uh, six, 18 to six in favor of Federer. Um, but Delpo has won, like, of the, so of, of the six that Delpo won, um, I'm looking it up right now, um, one was the U.S. Open quarterfinals um, last year. Um, another was, yeah, and another was the U.S. Open that he won. So, Two have been just like very important matches. Uh, Federer beat him in the semifinals of Shanghai last year, so of the last important match they played, um, Federer won. Uh, the last, so the last two matches uh, they played, Federer won, but it was uh, not straight sets. It was uh, it was two sets to one. Um, I think Delpo could do it. Um, obviously, it's stupid to bet against Federer, but with like decent odds, I would do it. Yeah. Um, like if Delpo. it were two to one odds, I would take Delpo. Delpo pushes Federer, and he's healthy. The thing with Delpo that's pretty amazing to me is that he's healthy, but he's not a hundred percent, and I don't think he ever will be. Like he still just slices that backhand. 
and it's incredible like how talented that guy must be if he can basically have a shell of a backhand and still be like the third best player in the world. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think one of so of my preseason predictions for rankings, I made a lot of mess ups. But the one thing I did call was Delpo like getting back into the top eight. And I think he could get higher this year. Like yeah, uh he could finish the season number two in the world. Yeah. Although with Chilich's uh, Aussie opener result, that might be tough. Um, if he wins the Masters 1000, he will basically it'll only be two hundred points less than Chilich's. Yeah, final and Delpo's best part of the season is the summer. And um, Delpo is also, I think, ten and one head to head against Chilich. Yeah. Delpo could be, yeah, number two in the world, but he, I think, I think top four is like definitely something. Um, I mean, yeah, his upper bound is probably number two in the world, but I think uh, top four is like very, very attainable for him. Exactly. Especially yeah. if Rafa keeps sitting out. Um, I, yeah, he, top four, I feel like I would, I would go give better than even odds on that. Yeah, because like uh, if he wins Indian Wells, even if he doesn't, he's gonna be third in the race right now, uh, at this point in the season. Um, he generally does do pretty well on clay. Like you wouldn't expect him to do it, but like he's had good clay results in the past. Um, he doesn't win tournaments, but he doesn't lose in the first round either. Um, he's gotten to the semis of Wimbledon before. Like, and also, like, one of the things that's been uh, slowing him down the last few years is he's just gotten slammed by bad draws because his ranking was, like, artificially low. But uh, I think with a higher ranking, he's just going to have better results. I, I agree. And uh, I guess his story is one that shows how tough it is to, like, really come back. Just because... He did get slammed by those bad draws. I I think though that he. Uh, I wonder what his opinion on rankings are, because on the one hand, like yeah, the draws affected him, but on the other hand, he's like, what? He's got a winning record against pretty much everybody other than the big four. Yeah. And so it's like. I wonder what his. I'll check out his head-to-head with Stan. Like, I think he's got a pretty good head-to-head against Zverev, um, against Chilich. Yeah, Delpo has a 4-3 head-to-head against Stan. And so, like, he must have been, like, there have probably been points where he's been ranked in the, like, 30s, but he felt really healthy and good and was like, yeah, I'm not Yeah, he's 4-0 against team. I'm, like, 5 in the world. yeah. He is like, yeah, he's 4 0 against team. Let's see, Sverev. Uh, he's 2 0 against Sverev. Dimitrov. He's 6 2 against Dimitrov. Songa. Let's see. He's 5 2 against, yeah. Other than the big four, Del Potro is the fifth best player. Uh, like career-wise, of everybody who's against Murray. Yeah, Murray. 
Yeah, Murray seven and three against them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Del Potro is like the big what if of this past decade because that U.S. Open he won at twenty-one years old was no fluke, and man, he's good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he's five and two against Nishikori, two and two against Rayanich. Uh, yeah, basically he's better than everyone except the big four. He's had like, he's, uh, is he a sure thing Hall of Famer? Uh, I I actually am not up on the threshold for making the Hall of Famer. So I think the threshold is Andy Roddick. Michael Stick made it, and he he won one major and. Either one or two majors and like one or two Masters 1000s. But Delpo has, so he's like been very popular. He's sort of like uh, had his US Open. He's won his Davis Cup in like epic fashion. He, uh, he's, he's been part of big Grand Slam matches. Like he's been to the semifinals a few times. Um, um, but yeah, his, he's, He's also just incredibly popular. Um, one I of think the his his resume isn't quite complete. Um, it would obviously be good for him to get another major, but if he doesn't, like at least a, another final or in this Indian Wells would be huge for him. Yeah, this is what Indian Wells really is. Is like, I think you I think it might like cement his Hall of Fame status. Also, the fact that he's from Argentina. And just very popular are like two things. Um, South American tennis, he might be, I guess, I don't know if like, I don't know if the guys in the 70s, 80s, 70s and 80s, there were probably a few South Americans, but of the last 20 years, he's by far the best South American. Who I guess the Hall of Fame resume, Chilich or Del Pocho? Uh, yeah, I was, we were chatting about this uh, on a different pod. Um, yeah, Chilich has made two finals and one a major. Um, but Del Potro has the Davis Cup, the Olympic silver medal, and he's won a major. And he has a he's just crushes Chilich in their head to head. Also, Del Potro has just been around longer. Like he's been uh, so since two thousand nine when he burst onto the scene. Uh, I mean, he's been injured a lot, but the times he hasn't been injured, he's been top 10. Yeah. He has dealt with a lot more adversity, too. Yeah, and this isn't robots uh, electing. These are people. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think if Michael Stick can make the Hall of Fame, then Bill Poacher can, too. So, do you think there are six current Hall of Famers playing? Okay, yeah, that's a good question. So there's uh, the big four, Stan, Delpo, Chilich maybe. Yeah, Chilich, I mean, and then the young guys, we have no idea. Yeah. But, who have already made the Hall of Fame. Yeah, who are like in enshrined, who are like, who have their places waiting for them. Yeah. Stan, Stan yeah, definitely. He's won three majors. Um, but yeah. All right, that about does it. Um, I'm glad we could uh, could get this up, and uh, I, for one, am rooting for Delpo today, just so 
to cement his Hall of Fame status and to give Federer his first loss of the season. Um, so go Delpo. And uh, cool. And uh, to our listeners, thanks for listening.